0: Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. Today we see kind of the follow up to a week or two ago when we had Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000. And then immediately afterward, he dismisses his disciples and later on meets them out in the middle of the lake. He dismissed them because he didn't want them getting the wrong notion about him and his timing and how. How all his plan of salvation would work together. And we'll look at that a little bit more closely in our reading today from Romans chapter 19. The service is Romans chapter nine, rather. Service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll begin with our morning hymn on page 45 in the very front portion of your reading Please rise. Praise be to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us worship Him. our scripture readings today, kind of look at the relationship between faith and doubt. In our first reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, we see that victory at Mount Carmel is followed by doubt, yet God promises to accomplish his purposes through his word. He, that is Elijah, came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord suddenly came to him, saying, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies, but the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking to take my life. Then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is passing by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire there was a soft, whispering voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies, but the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They have torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the wilderness of Damascus. When you get there, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You will also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha son of Shaphat from abel Mahola, as prophet in your place." Whoever escapes the sword of his ale, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. But I have preserved in Israel seven thousand whose knees have not bent to Baal, and whose lips have not kissed him. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with our our psalm for today, Psalm 73, as found on page 94. To doubt, the unbroken chain of God's promises has been fulfilled in Christ. I am speaking the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continuous pain in my heart. For I almost wish that I myself could be cursed and separated from Christ in place of my brothers, my relatives according to the flesh, those who are Israelites. Theirs, are the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, came the Christ, who is God over all and eternally blessed. Amen. Our theme verse is put before you there. Hallelujah. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Alleluia. Thanks be Thank to you God. Hallelujah. Please rise for the reading of our Gospel. Our Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus urged the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. By then the boat was quite a distance from shore, being pounded by the waves because the wind was against it. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and cried out in fear, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. Peter stepped down from the boat, walked on the water, and went toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he was afraid. As he began to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Those who were in the boat worshipped him. Saying, truly you are the Son of God. Our confession of faith is printed for you there. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil not with gold or silver, but with His holy, precious blood, and with His innocent suffering death. All this He did, that I should be His own, and live under Him in His kingdom, and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as He has risen from death, and lives and grows eternally. This is most certainly true. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 384. Sun, that at every point in history, even when, even when we think we're facing something totally new and foreign and unknown, what is new was before, what will be has been already. And you can't find a greater example of that than the nation of Israel and the modern day Christian church. As the world at large looks and frets and wonders, natural disasters on one side, civil unrest on the other, what is new has been before. What happens today has happened previously. As the church and Christians wonder, what about these millennials? Why is it that they seem so incredibly godless and so incredibly unlike any other generation, at least that we've seen or remember? Well, Solomon's words still stand true. What is happening today has happened before, and there's nothing new under the sun. But you and I, you and I would be most terribly misled and left open to every bit of doubt and anxiety and wonder. That is, we would be totally open to every trap of the devil if we forgot this fact, that what we see today has been before. And what happens tomorrow already happened thousands of years ago. There is nothing new under the sun, and apart from our Lord, all of it is but like the breath that you exhale on a cold winter morning hangs in the air for a minute, a few seconds, disappears like a mist. We did have, or probably should have, had a little bit more of a peek into that from our psalm for today, Psalm 73. What happens today has been before, and the way it's laid out in your hymnal The way you see it printed there, it looks like this triumphant statement of of faith, that absolutely nothing can shake my confidence, can shake my doubt in my God, can cause me to doubt my Lord. Absolutely nothing can shake my faith. But all of our readings today really tell us that the opposite is true, and if you were to look at Psalm 73... This is what you would find in the first half. My feet had nearly slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves in bodies. Their hearts are callous. The unbelieving world trots about in power and prestige and wealth. Well, it seems like the Christian is cast onto a bed of suffering as the Christian is challenged at every point. At every point, your faith is challenged with doubt. Because it's true that wherever God builds a church, the devil builds one right next door. And doubt and faith, at least in this world, walk right next to each other, almost like like the shadow that stalks your steps on a sunny summer day. And it's that idea, that idea that our readings point to today as Jesus walks out on the water, as he walks out to the disciples who are wondering and doubting. (coughs) Excuse me. As he walks out to them, and they, they're out here in the middle of the lake. They had just seen the greatest miracle to date. Jesus fed over 5,000 people, closer to 10,000 or 15,000. Basically, the entire, entire city of Fairmont or all of Martin County. And he fed them with one boy's lunchable. And then he told them to go away. Get out of here. And through it all, the divine truth is that God uses doubt to sharpen us, that God allows doubt and will even turn that doubt around into a blessing for you and for me, but only as long as we cling to the word of God. That's the truth that he repeats again and again. That's the truth that God alludes to here in Romans chapter 9. Because what has been before will be again. The struggles that the Church at large faces today is the same struggle that the Church at large has faced generations and generations previously. The troubles of this world? of course. There have been earthquakes and fires, political unrest before, and there will be again. But God says... If you trust me, you have nothing to worry about. And really, the way he puts it is he, he flips it around and he says, You have little faith. Don't worry. Look at what he writes here in Romans chapter 9. Paul writes, talking about the Israelites. Theirs is the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. He basically says, The world as it had been, the worship of life as it had been in Israel is pretty much the same as life is today. And these Israelites were told that a Messiah was coming. They were told that God is far off and can only be approached through the shedding of blood. The Israelites were given the tables of God's law. The Israelite fathers were given the responsibility of raising their children in the Lord the Israelite people were gathered for worship to see the the slaughter of lambs and the burning of the bodies on the altar reiterating, repeating time and again that the far-off God is only brought near through what He has given. And when we read, when we read Scripture, when we look at Old Testament history, when we see the miracles of Jesus, yes, doubt stalks right alongside our faith. Well, if only, if only I would see Jesus feeding the 5,000. If only I would walk on the lake, take a stroll across Lake Sisiton. If only I would do that, then I wouldn't have anything to worry about. If only, if only we saw fire fall from heaven, then the millennials would be in church. If only we had eaten the food that Jesus provided, then our families would be raised in the Lord. But it's the constant tension between faith and doubt. And the only answer is in the Word of God. Because God doesn't do these things to impress God does these things and allows these things to call people to repentance and to point them back to His Word. It's exactly what Paul says here. They had all these things. The nation of Israel was made from one man, Abraham, and he is good as dead, over a hundred years old when Isaac was born. Chosen seemingly at random, a wandering Arabian who worshipped false gods until God called him to faith. And out of that one man, God made this nation, and they had word job, and they they had their worship life that pointed again and again to the truth that the tie-off God is only approachable by what He gives, the perfect land, the worship life, the shedding of blood. The forgiveness. Because, yeah, he gave them the tablets of the law. But it wouldn't be very long at all. Moses wouldn't even make it all the way down to the bottom of the mountain before those laws would be completely broken. And not just in the shattering of the stone tablets, but in the idolatry of the people. That God is only approachable by what he gives. And if you're going to approach God on the basis of what you do, then it has to be perfect. Thanks be to God that the Word of God repeats for us the truth, and that God has provided the second way, the substitute who has completely obeyed God's law in your place and mine. All he says, Jesus died. Trust him. How often? How often when we see the events of this world, the events of our lives, the apparent decline of the church, the people throwing up their hands and saying, Well, I can I don't have to gather together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can just be a Lone Ranger Christian and, and find whatever I need online. Doubt and faith walk hand in hand. Doubt stalks right behind faith and the question, how do you approach a far-off God? Paul tells us. Paul tells us that our God is trustworthy at every point in history. Paul tells us that the very basics of our faith have been unchanged since the beginning of time. That God's demands of perfection have never changed. That the doubt of the human heart is as wrong today as it was when Jesus chided his disciples, perhaps not so gently. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Our Lord diagnoses the human heart as the far-off God comes near again. And he says, Dear Christian, I am trustworthy. Dear Christian, you don't have to have wet souls from taking a stroll across the lake to see that God is trustworthy. Because you know your God is trustworthy. In verse 5. Because the far-off God, who cannot tolerate human sin, the far-off God, the eternal Son of God, he has curly hair like Abraham. He has Abraham's blood flowing through his veins. He shares your race, the human race. The far-off God has come near and spoken to you and to me. In that Word of God, we see we see our Lord walking on the water, calming the storm, reassuring Elijah. As Elijah curls up in the back of this this cave, ready to die, saying, Lord, you sent fire down from heaven and now they want to kill me. What more could I have done? And God says, I've kept 7,000 close to me by my word. The promise of God stands certain and true and sure at every point in history where God has given His Word for the instruction of the young, for the comfort of the old, for the consolation of sinners. To people who recognize their sin. To people who recognize that God is too far off for me to approach. I cannot approach Holy God in any way and in anything that I do. But God came to you God shared the same room that you and I shared at that earliest point in our lives. God himself walked this earth, needed to eat and to drink and to sleep, and he wept when his friend died. God himself walked in your sandals and mine, confronting every doubt of human life, confronting every agony of human life, all to say, you're Christian, I am trustworthy. Again, and again, and again. From the very earliest word to Adam and Eve, or Noah, or Abraham, where God simply says, this is what you are to do, simply believe what I'm telling you, and then act on that belief." And so Adam and Eve taught their children. And Noah built an ark. Abraham left his family. The people of Israel walked through the sea on dry ground. And gathered together for worship. Not because the blood of animals would atone for their sin. But because God was saying how he, the far off God, would come near to them. Through the shedding of blood. And after repeating that promise through generations upon generations to every generation that thought, well, you know, here's the end of God's church. The millennials of 1000 BC have ruined it again. To the people who wondered, is God ever going to keep His promise? Is He going to send His Messiah? To people who wonder today, What will happen to this world tomorrow? Jesus says, he, the far-off God, is no longer far off. He is here, in his word, in sacrament. He is here, and he rules with all things under his feet. The feet that genetically are related to you and to me because the far-off God has made Himself near by taking on our humanity. And so He says to you and to me, at every point in your faith, whenever you have any doubt, God does not want to crush you under that doubt, and He has not left you to yourself to wonder, why is it that the wicked and the arrogant and the ungodly prosper? And why does it seem that Christians and believers are crushed? His answer is right here in His Word. And His answer applies to every single person at every single point in history. The answer isn't something terribly flashy. It's that God is far off and unapproachable. He lives an unapproachable life. He demands absolute perfection. And at the same time, that this far-off God has come near to you and to me. Just as He came near to those disciples walking on the sea, and when He spoke the word, all their fears disappeared. And the only thing that they could hear after the crash of the waves and the crack of the thunder and the whirling of the wind, the only thing that they could hear was the dripping of water from their beards. See? Our far off God has come near to you. He still does in his word, in his sacrament, and he he's not here to impress you and be with miracles. He's here to comfort you. the truth, that he is absolutely trustworthy, that when he says something, he does it. that when God announces through his called servant that your sin is forgiven, it's as true today as it was when Jesus declared it from the cross, that when he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace, that's true for you. For young and old alike, millennial or Abraham, all have been have been approached by this far-off God. Really neat thing about Psalm 73. Well, first that it's recorded there in history, recorded here in inspired Scripture. That Asaph. the the chief hymn writer for the Israelite people, at least after David, Asaph wondered, how is it that so many things seem to be going right for the unbeliever and wrong for the Christian? And how is it that God's people seem to put in the effort or not, and God's church always seems to be on the verge of absolute collapse? And he answered it the last verses of Psalm 73, some of which we sang, My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you, but as for me, and as for us, who have been approached by our far-off God and brought near to Him in word and sacrament, but as for us, It is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your needs. That's really where Paul is going here in chapter 9 and following. Where he says, well, things really haven't changed. Except for one. That all that spiritual reality of Old Testament time, the spiritual reality of pointing ahead and in symbol, and action, and worship, that spiritual reality has been made true and certain and physical in the person Jesus. In other words, there's nothing new under the sun except that the God who is far off has come to you, and He still comes today. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 48 in the front part of your red panel. And on page 48 you'll find our son's confession of faith, the Tayden. with the Kyrie at the top of page 50. Please rise. In the morning, O oh Lord, I... loving hearts and sound judgment to exercise godly family leadership. May they daily take to heart your admonition not to discourage or embitter their children by treating them harshly or unfairly. Help them instead to bring up their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. In loving Christian fathers, may children see reflections of you, the Father whose love for us is perfect and complete. And Almighty God, merciful Father, our ever-present help in time of trouble, Once again, we have come to realize that your thoughts are not our thoughts, your ways are not our ways. In your wisdom, you have permitted disastrous fires in the west, drought in the north, and hurricane in the south. Do not let the hearts of your people despair, but sustain and comfort them. Heal the injured, console the bereaved and afflicted, protect the helpless, and deliver all who are still in danger, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn as printed in your service folder. our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who have brought us safely to this new day, defend us with your mighty power, and grant that this day we neither fall into sin nor run into any kind of danger. In all we do, direct us to what is right in your sight, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Let us praise the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, for closing him. Welcome to the guest with us today. The, um, the announcements are there on page 7. Coming up here in September, we've got um, Worship in the Park on the 10th and Sunday School starting the following Sunday on the 17th. Um, as far as the Bible classes listed there, the Saturday morning and Wednesday evening classes are open to anyone that would like to attend. Um, well, We can talk about that later, of course, during Bible classes. Um, they're open to anybody. And during, during the school year here, our Sunday morning Bible class will probably start with a look at some Bible history, and our catechism kids ages, you know, grades 5 through 8, uh, will be encouraged to sit with their parents for that discussion. Um, we can talk about that a little bit more during Bible class, because the, the overall point is that we don't want, as a church... And as a pastor, I don't want to remove the responsibility or the, the privilege of um, parents instructing their children in the Lord, Or rather encourage that where possible. So um, I'll talk about that a little bit during Bible class today. We'll look at the doctrine of the call, and uh, there we go. God bless your
1: week.